Sega and welcome to Resistance Radio. I'm John Kane. Uh, no Regan DeLoggins today, so you just got me. Um, but I do invite Reggie to join in uh, in some of the conversation, if he should, should like to join me. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Black History Month, and, and so I might want a little bit of balance in case somebody, in case I, I, people don't agree with what, <laughs> so what I'm saying here. So, But first, let me remind people that uh, that we are listener-supported radio. We This program, Resistance Radio, airs on WBAI in New York City and WPFW in Washington, D.C. I implore you to support your radio stations. And, and I, actually, I think a couple of other affiliates may be carrying the program as well. So wherever you are listening to this show from, uh, whatever radio station, I would greatly appreciate that you support that radio station. If you're listening in New York, I encourage you to, uh, to call... 212-209-2950, or go online to give to WBAI.org and make a donation in the name of this program to this station. Now, if you're listening at WPFW, I'm also going to call this, this station. Um, I would also <laughs> implore you to, to make a donation to the station in the name of this program, and you can do that by calling 202 or going online to WPFWFM.org and following the prompts. All right. It is um, Black History Month. And, and I got to tell you, I do listen to a lot of public radio. I'm, I'm not in New York. I'm uh, New York City or Washington. I'm in, uh, you know, I'm, I'm listening in the Buffalo, New York radio market. So, you know, I do catch uh, a lot of the NPR programs. And, I, and I've got to say, Many of the programs that I've heard in the in the first two days, anyway, were pretty pretty damn good. I mean, I had some great guests, um, a wide variety of uh, of information. And what I like about it is, it isn't so far. I haven't heard this be just a celebration of black people in the way that it makes it sound like everything is fine. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? They I've heard stories that yeah. talked about. Obviously, slavery and uh, Reconstruction and, uh, you know, Jim Crow and the, the civil rights you know, fight and, and that kind of stuff. And, and a few of the guests that I've heard, and, and it's been, look, I've, I've, one of the programs had like three people on at the same time, and all of them were really, really good. One of the, I, I heard one of the guests say, look, we can talk about slavery ending in, uh, in 1865, or that's the exact date, but... Uh, but it didn't end for Native people in California. They would remain working as, as enslaved people for, for several years after that. I also heard people say, you know, the, the concept of Reconstruction sounds good, except for what, when you, you pit it against the fact that the American Holocaust, the genocide against Native people, was, was still in full swing. And, and in fact, it was uh, the, the latest chapter of the American genocide, which was essentially the residential school uh, era, was just beginning, so I really appreciate that. Even when, even though it's it's Black History Month, there are those who are conscious enough about the shared experiences that Native people have have had with Black people um, is something that warrants a, a conversation. We don't need to dominate the landscape during Black History Month, but the fact that we even get a mention, I think, is is really positive and. And look, in much the same way, I think Native people, our, our, our activism, some of what we've been pushing for and against, I guess, um, was essentially a beneficiary of the Black Lives Matter movement in the wake of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor's murders. So I don't want anything that I'm saying today to sound like I'm competing against, you know, like I'm trying to... Um, in fact, Regan and I discussed this before the show, even though she couldn't join me today. She was concerned that I was going to come across like I was, you know, starting some new um, challenge in the oppression Olympics or something. Like that. I, I, I was just about to say <laughs> that. Oh my god! Well, I oh my god! I was just about to say that. And, and that's that's like the, the, the <laughs> a new expression that you know every time you you, you bring up some you know some atrocities against somebody says there's a this what aboutism right? Well, what about this? And and you know. And look, I, I am guilty of that. You know, the, oftentimes when we talk about the, the and I'm, I'm not going to call it the Tulsa riots, it was a Tulsa massacre. You know, I, I sometimes wonder how it is that there's never, nobody connects the dots between what, what took place in Tulsa 
I mean, and, and clearly a, a race-based massacre. And 50 miles or so down the road in Osage territory, there, at that same time, there was, you know, broad-based murder taking place against the Osage uh, because, because white men were trying to grab a hold of the, the oil revenue that uh, the Native people had. And yet th that the, the, the racism that is behind both these things kind of keeps them in silos. And, and, and look, and I get it, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to rain, it, rain on um, Black History Month, but, but here's the thing. We have a month, too. <laughs> well, it's, it's called Native American Heritage Month. Um, most of you probably are very unfamiliar with it because unlike Black History Month, Native American Heritage Month doesn't get the media attention, not even on these stations. Not even on WBAI and WPFW. I mean, the, you, look, look. I'm a, a native host, and I'm talking about Black History Month. So we, I know that there's probably a ton of programming, as there should be, for Black History Month on public radio, community radio, uh, listener-supported radio, and you know, frankly, even on some of the uh, many of the mainstream uh, media channels. But when it comes to November, which is you know, declared every year. It's it, it's almost like it needs a new declaration for some reason, which I, I also don't understand. So it's that's considered National Native American Heritage Month. The difference is our special month gets treated only as a celebration of Native heritage. Mm. And there is no delving in to residential schools, missing and murdered indigenous women, the, the, the history of the massacres, including the Osage murders. So... I'm a, I guess I'm a little envious because I really appreciate some of what I'm hearing. And, and, I'm, and again, if, if, if you are not happy with, with the, uh, the media coverage of uh, Black History Month, I'm not opposing you on that. I'm just saying when I hear some of what I've heard and some of the great guests that I've heard and, and wide variety of guests I've heard, I'm thinking, boy, this is like night and day compared to uh, National Native American Heritage Month. So while I'm not trying to pony up and, and pit, you know, the oppression that Native people have experienced against the oppression that Black people have experienced, you know, this is really a call out uh, to the media because the media is not giving us the attention when November rolls around. And, and, and I want, I, just like we Native people were the beneficiary of some of the Black Lives Matter movement, I'm hoping as people look at this year's coverage of Black History Month, Perhaps the, some cues can be taken when November rolls around and we can say, look, well, let's do a little bit more than talk about, you know, feathers and ribbon dance and jingle dresses and that kind of stuff. Let's let's really delve into what the native experience and what the real history and heritage has been, because and I know there's a difference between heritage and history. I mean, we aren't Native American History Month, but, you know, our heritage even has been profoundly shaped by the oppression that Native people have, have experienced. So, you know, I, I, I want to put that out there, Reggie, and I don't know, do you think I crossed any lines with anything that I, that no, I said there? No, I, I, on the contrary, I think it, you made some very good points about uh, some of the differences, and, and I think, and, you know, for me to, to reply to that, I think the only reason why you're starting to hear a little bit of nuance in, in regards to what uh, Black History Month, you know, what the guests that you're hearing from Black History Month in uh, various uh, media sources that you, it's because of the persistence of giving the whole scope of the narrative, you know, rather than just like saying, hey, this accomplishment right here and this accomplishment right there, not saying that those accomplishments aren't something that you you should you should ignore but to understand that there is a there is a uh uh the ends to justify the means in order for those things to happen you know there's been a, there's a lot of oppression there's a lot of pain in these things and i think that um and just to add on what you were saying about that look how long it took for that God awful name on the in the NFL to I'm, finally I'm, I'm be eradicated. We're, we're, we're going to talk about that one <laughs> you too. You know, <laughs> and so it, it does take persistence in order for those things to happen, and um, 
and and you know and, and you know better than anyone else is not it, it it usually doesn't go the way you want them to go but you, nevertheless you have to push and make sure that that narrative is put out there and i think for the two groups that you're mentioning you know I, which i i think you can agree with is that uh uh people who were descendants of enslaved Africans as well as native people in this part of the world, you know, maybe arguably the two groups that can't say that they are immigrants because here's one group that was forced against their will to supply labor to create the infrastructure, which is now crumbling, and then take the land of the people that were already here in the first place, and trying to erase the history as well as the heritage. Well, and, well uh, and for all the celebration, well. you know, of the United States and and its wonderful accomplishments and everything else, you know, I it it's a it would be irresponsible to not connect the dots between um, slave labor and the the theft of land and resources from Native people Absolutely. as the foundation of the United States economic success. I mean, isn't it ironic that uh, that without um, slave labor or near slave labor, the the United States can't manage to keep up on its own infrastructure? I mean, that, isn't that's a that interesting? Example, isn't example. that interesting? Now, huh. I also I also want to mention too that in in spite of what I think is praise for some of what I'm hearing, we also have to acknowledge that there is a that there's a full-on assault against teaching anything that makes white people uncomfortable. This whole oh my god, yeah, I'm critical race theory there. hysteria. I'm so glad you're going there with all that. of this. Uh, this um, uh, controls laws that are being passed at the state level that are that are restricting what schools can teach and how they can teach it is. I mean, that's happening today. I mean, and, and it's funny because it it actually you would think some of what you're hearing sounds more like something you've been trained and taught to believe is what would happen in a place that's authoritarian like Russia or China, but it's happening in the, in the United States and it's being, and it isn't just happening because of one tyrant. This is like, you know, state legislatures and governors all across the United States, particularly the, uh, you know, the red States um, mm -hmm. that are really, trying to restrict this idea that a, a child should be taught anything that, that could be interpreted as somehow, um, you know, a shot at, at, at the United States. I mean, and so this is all happening, and this is all in the news this now, while we're you know, in the midst of uh, Black History Month. And, you know, so, look, let's not forget, we're, we're making history every single day. And some, uh, of, yep. some of what we, yep. we see... Uh, that is being, you know, perpetrated in the name of saving whiteness still is is absolutely incredible. Reggie, I, I don't know. Um, I was in the New York Times this week. Did you know that? Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. There was a, there was an article on Monday, um, and it's called "Facing a Band: A School District Fights to Keep Indians Nickname." And it's about my old high school where <laughs> I initiated the fight to to have its uh, uh, Indians nickname banned. And, you know, it's, I'm going to tell you, I'm not really happy with the article. I am quoted in there. But, it, but it's, it's the, the whole article, and, and it's pretty long and extensive as far as I'm concerned, it really just it tries to balance two competing opinions and doesn't address the research, the scientific research, the, the assessments by the New York Association of School Psychologists, the American Psychological Association, or any of the data, or nor does it also, or does it either um, really total up the, the sum total of, of the overwhelming voices that have spoken out against this from everything from individual nations to every, um, um, like the National Congress of the American Indian, USET, all of these native organizations, the National, uh, the Native American Journalist Association, um, all of these organizations have condemned this. And, and yet, the, the article made it sound like, you know, like the opinions balance. And, and while mm. opinions may balance or 
the the facts don't, and and I think that's that's part of the concern. But yeah, so that was out on Monday. You can find it if you look up "Facing a Band of a School District Fights to Keep uh, Indians Nickname." And the reality is, the school district isn't fighting it, at least not at this point. They haven't decided where they're going to fight because, if you as you recall, the the New York State uh, Department of Education Commissioner Betty Rosa. Mm-hmm. When she reviewed what Cambridge had done, which was to retire the mascot and then bring it back immediately as, as soon as uh, two pro mascot board members were seated, she decided uh, or ruled that their decision was arbitrary and capricious. And frankly, the, the overall action um, of a school reinstating uh, this mascot and, and continuing with these mascots is something that she would have ruled. And she, what she, the, what her ruling was really based on four families in the Cambridge School District who petitioned her for um, for relief on this thing. And she ruled in favor of the families. And she said, even if they hadn't flip-flopped, she'd have ruled for the families anyway. And, and of course, she still has stopped shy of issuing any kind of statewide ban or um, or making any kind of declarative statement that, that, like the commissioner 20 years ago had said, that schools need to get rid of these things. Um, she did issue a statement this week that, that talked about some of the, uh, you know, the pressures that school boards have been under, you know, from, you know, from a lot of these, these fringe, the fringe right and stuff like that. But she still has not, from the office of the New York State uh, Department of Education, issued a statement. There really hasn't been a statement since, since you know, Commissioner Mills over 20 years ago did. Uh, although she did do a, uh, a, a Times Union um, letter to, or opinion piece that she had put out there where she, where she basically said any school that's in the same situation that, that Cambridge is in should, uh, should have 20 years ago and, and, and still should uh, do away with these native mascots. And, of course, that leads us into, uh, into what Washington announced this week. And, of course, <laughs> we know that the, yeah. the Washington football team had really dug in on their racial slur of a name for you know for over sixty years. Uh, Daniel Snyder, the owner of the team, said he was not going to change it, and you could uh, and you could print that in all caps, is what he said. Um, and then a few years later, uh, he he changed his mind. <laughs> of course, his mind was changed. He didn't change his mind. His mind was changed because FedEx, who is the namesake of the stadium they play in. Uh, Target, Walmart, Amazon, mm-hmm. uh, Nike—all of the you know some of these big um, you know financial interests. Uh, in the wake again, in the wake of the Black Lives Matter movement, the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, we saw a call to social justice, and these financial interests told the Washington Football Team, "You got to change the name. It's, it's a racial slur, and we can't we can't sustain the, you know this you know our relationship." If you're going to continue to maintain this racial slur now, now I would I, I I would say that the name was changed because of these financial interests, but it would not have changed if, if it wasn't for the legions of Native people over the years that have uh, have been protesting the Washington football team and the and the Cleveland baseball team, um, and the Atlanta baseball team and the, and the Kansas City football team and the and the Chicago uh, hockey teams. hockey team yeah. right. But, but, but Washington would not have changed had there not been the native activism behind this thing. Now, we couldn't change it on our own. Look, look there was even you know a couple attempts to to take away its its trademark, um, and it it still you know and Chicago or I mean Washington continued to dig in. And in fact, many high schools not only who were bearing the the same name, but who were bearing other native names kept. Pointing to, to Washington and say, well, look, they're doing it. You know, if the nation's capital can do this, why can't we? So this has gone on and on and on. And, of course, we, we knew that they, they had announced um, uh, some time ago that they were, that they were doing away with the, the name. The last football season, they played without a name. They were just a Washington football team. And they had announced they were going to make a big public announcement on um, Groundhog Day. <laughs> I guess to to uh, to announce a new name. It kind of leaked out, and so now the Washington Football Team is called the Commanders. Now there's a whole lot of people who are weighing in about how much they hate or like like the name. I'm glad it's not what it was. <laughs> let, let me start. Let me start there. But I will say, when I think of what a commander is, 
I don't think of that as a team. I think that is a, as a solo individual. Now, if they didn't call themselves the Commandos, yeah, I could see that being a team. I mean, that sounds right. more like a a a legion of uh, <laughs> of soldiers or something like that. Um, look, I know there's a whole lot of uh, romanticizing the military and and war and that kind of, of stuff. Of course. And, and from what I understand, their their logo is essentially not only some sort of like little coat of arms almost, but it um, but it's stars and bars, three stars and a couple of stripes or something like that. And that's interesting. You know, I I, made, I had to I spoke to somebody else uh, today about. It. I says I never quite understood how the Dallas Cowboys um, logo just ended up being a single star on a on a helmet. I don't I don't get the connection between a star and a cow. And, and somebody explained it to you. Well, well, Texas is the Lone Star State. Right. Right. Oh, okay. I guess I get that. And 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 it, it just goes to show you that the image or the logo, the emblem does not necessarily have to totally correspond to the name that you call your your team put it that way and 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 you know there's a tendency to you know look if you're the dolphins your logo is a dolphin <laughs> but new york there's no giant sitting on a new york giants helmet so i no it's just giant yeah. it's just giants or ny yeah yeah so i mean it just goes to show you that really the whole mascot thing whether it's professional sports or whether it's high school sports is really unnecessary. You can promote the city and everything about the city when or or the town if you're a, a school um, in in relationship to to your sporting program. I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily have to have some mascot. And but but I, here's the one thing one thing I will say: there is no other type of mascot that evokes the the level of identity conflict that. Native ones do. I mean, I've never heard anybody, you know, go to their grave digging in about wanting to be called a bear, you know, or a cougar. Well, maybe, maybe I don't know. Some, some, maybe I won't touch the cougar <laughs> thing. But, uh, uh, but, but I've never seen anybody dig in this way. I mean, um, but, I mean, you, and you will see, you know, entire towns that, that really obsess, getting back to that New York Times article, about, and, and these are predominantly white towns. These, these are like towns that are 90, 95, sometimes 98, certainly 98 to 100% non-native, where they're going to insist on calling themselves Indians. And they don't seem to have a problem with it. It's funny, I was going back and forth with, a, with another uh, village upstate that, that calls themselves the Indians, uh, a village called Schoharie. And I said, you're white people. You're not Indians. Stop mocking a people that you are not. And... And and you, you what's what do you think the immediate uh, reaction that I got was? It's about identity. Nope, nope. They said, "How dare you call us white people?" Oh, what? <laughs> I I don't know. Apparently, if you call what? white people white people, they take offense to that. They think I'm being a racist because I called them white people. I'm thinking, look, I pulled uh, up your demographics uh, online. It's you're 95 percent uh, white. I mean, and everybody in the thread was white. I uh, am perplexed. Of course. I say that, but you know, some of these folks have that Cherokee princess great great grandmother, and of so they yeah, always do. <laughs> so they have they, by virtue of some relative whose whose name they don't even know, they can say, "Well, I've got uh, I'm part Indian, so I get to uh, you know," and I don't I'm not offended by it. Look, no, you're you're white. I mean, you you live in a white community. You don't have any connection to a native community, a native people, a native culture. You may have ancestry, and, and I'm going to tell you right now, when somebody tells me that they have native ancestry, I don't think, I don't come out of the gate thinking they're lying, but mm -hmm. there's a distinction between having native ancestry and, and, and certainly fighting for native issues, being connected to native people, understanding some cultural connection, and, you know, and look, I think there's a lot of people in the United States who have some sort of mixed racial background or, or genetic background. I, I don't want to say ethnic background because as, if, if some people don't understand the difference between ethnicity and, and, and race. Ethnicity, ethnicity is real because ethnicity is tied to culture. Race is kind of a made-up construct, right? It, you know, it, it sometimes gets based on the color of skin. People try to associate with, with origins, you know, and that kind of stuff. But, um, but race is really kind of, you know, kind of a screwed-up concept. And now... 
I'm not saying there there isn't racial bias and there you know and there isn't racism. Those are real, but the the concept that that somehow genetically we are different because, just by virtue of the color of our skin. That is what racism is based on. It's based on this idea of superiority versus inferiority. And it's also based on power. One group having power, and it's not always the majority. <laughs> you know, Afri mm -hmm. South Africa is a perfect example of that, right? You, you, know, you can have yeah. a very racist, in-control minority, um, but, and, that, and that racism is real. But it's, but it's a really about power. It's about the power dynamic. And it's not mm -hmm. necessarily about, it's not even about you know, dislike or tension, right? I mean, you know, when I when I hear native people or when I hear white people say, "Yeah, but we never intended to to um, offend native people with mascots, so it's okay." I says, "Yeah, but your intention doesn't matter." And they said, "What do you mean it doesn't matter?" I I mean, for one thing, we and I have had to explain this to some people. We were never a consideration when when these little white towns decided to call themselves savages or redskins or warriors or Indians. They didn't say, hmm, let's do this to honor native people. People don't honor bears or cougars or, I don't, I don't got, uh, stay away from cougars again, um, or, um, or they don't do it to honor. What they do is they, they have this perception of a characteristic that oftentimes they're going to impose on their chosen mascot. And that's what happened to native people. Removing native mascots is not erasure. Creating native mascots where you ignore the history, you ignore the culture. I mean, this school in Schoharie, it, their their logo is a blue profile of a native person with a full Plains Indian headdress. Now Skahari is in Mohawk territory. Mm -hmm. We didn't wear headdresses like that. You know, I'm not even getting into the fact that the, that it's a blue and white logo, but the, the but they don't even have enough respect, which is what they're claiming this is all about, to research and get the imagery right. And of course, even in this attempt to get the imagery right. They, they invariably are casting Native people as relics of the past, like we don't exist anymore. You know, so this is where, you know, where, where so, much of the, so much of it is problematic. And look, and it's one of the reasons that I maintain such a strong presence in this debate. One thing, I know that, you, you, Reggie, you know, I know the subject matter. <laughs> I've, I've spent enough yes. time, you know, researching not only what trade groups professional, you know, childcare development, uh, you know, agencies and um, what, what native organizations, whether it's individual nations or, the, you know, like I said, these, uh, these trade organizations or uh, alliances or, you know, congresses or assemblies, I know what everybody has said. Now, I'm not saying there aren't a few native people who are in favor of mascots. I mean, that's what this New York Times article is about. In fact, the guy that is featured both as a, in a photo and uh, is speaking in favor of the mascot. I grew up with the guy. I knew him. I mean, that, that was my high school. He didn't graduate from that school. <laughs> Ironically, he graduated from another school that was called the Indians, and when they dropped the name, he never said a word. I mean, but, but in Cambridge, where his kids ended up going to school, I mean, he's 63 years old, still wearing a letterman's jacket. I mean, oh. from a school that he didn't graduate in. I don't, I don't wow. even know how to, how to you know, reconcile that wow. one. Um, okay. <laughs> All right. There was also a 50-year-old cheerleader who decided that she was going to demonstrate for the New York Times reporter her loyalty to the mascot by, by doing a cheer that she remembered from high school. She was like 49 years old. Oh, no. Doing, dropped down on the floor to do a Warpath cheer. I mean, oh, no. I mean, oh, this no. is the kind of embarrassment. And look, oh, Cambridge no. has made not only the New York Times, but they've been mm. in the Washington Post as well. Mm. And they just, they just don't get it. And, mm. and so many of these small towns, they just don't get it. <laughs> it's pretty. And they swear out that they they they're doing something to help their argument. Yeah, I mean, most of the time they, they suggest, well, you're just trying to take away our tradition and our and 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 our reverence for native culture. I says, you have no native culture there. Your logo <laughs> isn't even appropriate. But you're not teaching. You're teaching kids that this blue-faced, full headdress you know, stereotypical Hollywood type native imagery, you're saying, you're teaching your kids that that's what an Indian is. And it's not. I even have trouble with the word <sighs> Indian because right. I'm, you know, that's, right. a, you know, a Columbus mistake. Ironically, <laughs> the school that's featured in, in that New York Times article, 
they have one teacher who's Indian. I mean, last name Patel. She she's a math teacher. I you know and and she's never been asked. And and I wouldn't want to put her on the spot. I mean, look, right. I I put myself out there, but. How weird is it to be in a school that calls themselves the Indians when you're actual Indian and you know that that name has nothing to do with you, even though it's kind of how you might identify yourself? I mean, I don't know. And, and, and then I wonder, would that school or would that teacher feel differently if the logo wasn't a Native American but was you know, some cartooned image of, uh, of somebody from India? I mean, you know, it's... You know, here's the other thing I got, I got to bring up, and, I, and this is really kind of connecting a bunch of threads here, but the thing that I get hit with immediately when I, when I address a, a town about the problem that their native mascot represents is I get called a liberal. You know, <laughs> you know yourself, I, I, I do not discriminate. I attack uh, <laughs> Democrats just like I attack, attack Republicans. I mean, yeah. In fact, today's news, right? Joe Biden kills uh, women and children, you know, just like a Republican would, right? I mean, because that's the American thing. It's not, I mean, the the idea that he would actually use a drone strike or whatever it was, a missile attack on, you know, to to kill somebody and take out women and children with it. He's a Democrat. He's he's a a so-called liberal. I don't know. I mean, I have problems with with both sides of that political aisle. So when right. when I, I immediately get called some sort of flaming liberal or, or or lefty or snowflake lefty or whatever or whatever else, it's like when you when you do that to me, what you're saying is that you're on the right, you know, because you're you're automatically associating that that if I think a behavior or an activity that you're engaged in is wrong, that that makes me a liberal. And I'm look. I I have I'm I'm one of the ones who coined the phrase racism is not a right thing it's a white thing. <laughs> right. So I mean when I and and calling somebody who's white white should not be regarded as an insult. I mean because here's the thing in all of these little towns we those of us who are native activists who are trying to get these changes we are relying on on the sensible white people to make the change. We can't change a mascot in Schoharie or Cambridge. White people are going to have to do it. Because, why? Because 90 to 95% of their population are white. Correct. Now, in some cases, like in Cambridge, um, that decision got taken away from their school board because their school board became you know, overtly racist. And a woman of color, Dr. Betty Rosa, uh, had to make the decision for them. So sometimes it gets taken away from, from white people. <laughs> but most of the time, white people have full control over these, these kinds of things. And so that's who we appeal to. When I went out to Cambridge, I made it real clear. I wasn't trying to, t- to con- change the town. They had five, five school board members. I figured I only needed to change three of them. Of course, all of them are white. <laughs> they're, and they're still all white. But um, I figured I only had to appeal to the senses of three of them. I basically had you know, four of those board members convinced to change it. One then quit because of the pressure that she was under. Um, then after an election, the, 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 three, uh, uh, the three to one majority turned, became a uh, three to two majority back the other way. But no, I mean, I, we need folks to stand with us. The Washington football team wasn't going to change because Native people were upset by it. There's, there's not enough responsibility there to, to affect something, a billion-dollar enterprise like, like a Washington football team. But Native people may have been on the front of this, of this action, but until we convince enough white people that what we're saying has some genuine legitimacy, we, you know, we're just making noise. You know, and, 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 and it's difficult. I mean, so I mean, when, I, when I hear people call me a racist because I think it's wrong that white people play Indian into their 50s and 60s, wearing their letterman's jacket at board meetings and stuff like that. I mean, I don't, my opinion on that is not what's relevant here. <laughs> you know, this, this really should be about elected school board members being able to look at all of the data, all of the research, all of the statements and testimonials from Native organizations and put the opinions, you know, in, in you know, in, in the corner here, 
you know, whether it's my opinion or whether it's, you know, uh, the opinion of some, you know, somebody who was a star quarterback 30 years ago. I mean, this, the opinions should be, you know, I'm not saying they don't matter, but they shouldn't take precedence over data, over real solid information. So, I mean, I'll tell you, it took real data for the Washington football team to change, and that real data came in the in the form of dollar signs. <laughs> well, what they say about money talks. <laughs> exactly. Yep. And you know, so I mean, that's what it took to to change to change Washington. It 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 took um, moneyed interest to change it. Now these little schools, they'll pretend that money is the issue. Well, it's going to cost us, uh, you know, ten thousand dollars to. $90,000 to change our logo. Yeah, but you know what? Most of you aren't, aren't putting your logos on your sports uniforms now. You have, a, you have a, you know, a, an image painted on your gym floor, and you've got some banners on the wall. It shouldn't take 90. And if you've got $100,000 invested right now in that logo all over your halls and walls, then maybe you should rethink about you know, how you spent your money in the first place. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> you know, but you know what? And most of these um, calls for these things to be to be removed say, you know, do it as time allows. Do it as you as the the life of the these uniforms or, the, you know, or these logos or, you know, whatever. I mean, yeah, change your sign, you know, change your sign, you know, change it. You know, some of your banners. Those are vinyl banners. They have 20 bucks and you replace a banner. I mean, come on. I mean, or just take it down, and as you new banners, you know, as, as your school demonstrates success under a new mascot, if you deem one necessary, then put up the new banners. But you know, I'm not saying you gotta, you know, trash every tro trophy in your in your trophy case. But I mean, children should not. I mean, and not just native kids. I mean, not native children and native children should not be exposed to this constant barrage of stereotyping one people and we're the only ones that are used this way the only ones i mean i know people are gonna say well yeah but what about notre dame well yeah that's that's the one exception and that's because notre dame is a catholic university and the relation between irish and catholic is pretty strong and so you know but you know what what i can't ever you know, get through to people is yeah but you're not indian you're not native you you are right. white people and and you're you know, getting back to this whole idea of recreating the image, the fact that they, they not only use these stereotypical clip art types of um, logos, but the whole idea of calling us something that is not true to who we are. I mean, I, I'm, I'm Mohawk, Gunyagahaga. I'm, I'm Haudenosaunee. Our characteristics are, are, it's not that we're, we didn't have any ability to fight and defend and, you know, stand up for our people, but our our history is about making peace. Well, who wants a bunch of peacemakers on a, uh, you know, on a football field, right? <laughs> so <laughs> so you, you ignore that part of the history. You ignore the atrocities that were you know, committed against Native people, women and children included. I mean, just like Biden's going to ignore the fact that he killed women and children in his, in his latest raid, everybody wants to ignore the fact, yeah, there were scalp bounties paid for women and children. Mm -hmm. So you're going to ignore all of that, and then you're going to say, no, we're going to pick Indians as our mascot, and we're going to talk about pride and nobility, the noble savage, and you know, um, the fierceness, the toughness, and, and all of this other stuff. You're going to make up all of these other characteristics that you don't really believe that we possess. Otherwise, you would give me enough respect to, to hear me out, but you don't believe that. But you believe that those are the characteristics that you want for yourself. So you project them on an inanimate object, which is this logo, and then you claim that that's you. I mean, you think about that process. I mean, I, I, I often talked about how L. Frank Baum said, look, in later days, these miserable wretches will be forgotten. And in later, in later ages, they'll, they'll do nothing but talk about the grand kings of the forest and plain. Yeah, because that's what you're going to do. You're going to wipe us out, I and mean, L. Frank Baum, the author of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, called for our extermination, our total extermination. He said, why not annihilation? Their glory has fled, their manhood has been effaced, their spirit is broken, better they die than live the miserable wretches that they are. And then he went on to say, you know, in later ages, they'll just, they'll, they'll look at Native people the way James Fenimore Cooper wrote of us. 
And that's exactly, I mean, he said that in 1890. By the way, when he said that, it was a week before the massacre of Wounded Knee. Mm. So just to put things in historical perspective. And of course, look, I understand that I know this stuff. So when I go into some little small town of 1,000 or 2,000 people and, and these guys want to you know, call me a racist or, you know, or, or really get after me, say, oh, you're not, you're not from here. Yeah, my ancestors were, though. Um, <laughs> and I mean, they, they are ill-equipped to do battle with me over history, facts, culture. You know, and, you know, and what happens with many of us and, and, and this really annoys me, is then people want to call into question about whether we are legitimately Native enough because we don't look like Indians. We don't look like their logo. Nobody looks like your freaking logo. I mean, you know, so when, when we get tried and tested about, you know, as, as people are saying, well, my sixth, uh, sixth great-grandmother to my great-grandfather um, was, uh, was a full-blooded Indian, you're going to throw that up and then question my ancestry or my ethnicity, really? I mean, so we, we get put under the gun. People try to deflect. Well, if we're going to change the school logo, that means we've got to change the name of the river. No, nobody said anything about changing the name of the river. But you know what? Squaw Lane? Yeah, you should change that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, that should be. But you know, the, the change, amount of deflection yeah. is incredible. Go ahead. But, but one would tend to uh, – I would always wonder about this, about – the, the logos that were made. What if the logos themselves would talk to the people who are making these logos on how wrong and how wrong of the appropriation that is, you know, that is being portrayed? Yeah. Because it just seems like all the time that, it, you know, there's this countering of, oh, we're doing this because of the heritage. We're doing this to honor people. And clearly, Clearly, the people that are wearing these logos, that are wearing all the wear that is related to that, is 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 the exact opposite because of they don't know the history, or for that matter, they they just think that oh it's cool to wear and we can, as you say, play Indian, and, and you know and that itself is so mentally wrong about that because you're misdescribing a whole bunch of people because of. Why? Because there was this one guy that was too lazy to realize, oh, we're in the wrong location. Well, I mean, I think about Cleveland. I mean, uh, the argument was that Cleveland was named after um, the Penobscot, you know, um, uh, you know, great ball player that they had. The reality is they didn't start calling Cleveland the Indians until he was already run out of town, essentially. So, I mean, the, the whole thing, there, there's just so much lie and untruth that is associated with all of this stuff. You know, you know, they're they'll try to say that the you know some one of the coaches involved in the Washington football team was native, and he wasn't. I mean, you know, when you talk about what would happen if these logos actually speak to, spoke to the people, you know, I remember seeing that one, the Washington logo, where they show that profile of uh, you know of that brown faced native, yeah, uh, where yeah. his face is buried in his hand, like in disgust. I'm thinking, yeah, that's that's more <laughs> a more accurate logo than than the one that they, they currently have, but. With no, the I mean, it, it, why? <laughs> yeah, just why? Why? <laughs> why? Well, why? And on that note, I don't know if you did. You see the video that the Washington Football Team produced to introduce their uh, yes, their logo? I did. I mean, yes, I they did. couldn't even make a clean cut. They couldn't just nope. put away their 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 racial slur. They had to like use that as some sort of fodder to feed into this new logo. I mean. You couldn't even make a clean break, really. I mean, not only, not only is your name somewhat controversial, because any name was going to be, but you mm -hmm. couldn't even make a clean break. You couldn't say, you know, I mean, how much bigger would it have been if they really promoted the Native sentiment about their last, their, their previous logo and, and mascot and said, you know, out of respect and, and did this whole thing about, about making the change because it was the right thing to do. But no, they they made it they promoted the Washington Redskins right up to the point where they where they changed it to uh to the Commanders. I mean, it's I don't know. I mean, I I heard some of you know, the outcry over their their terrible video and how much even in the wake of in the midst of changing it, they could not be big enough 
to acknowledge the mistake and the wrong that their previous mascot was. I mean, and it just goes to show you how deeply embedded the racism, you mm-hmm. know, uh, it, you know, is still lingers in even in people who are being forced to, you know, to uh, wake up to some of this stuff. I mean, it's it it, it really is unfortunate. Um, and, you know, and and like I said, here we are. We're in Black History Month, and 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 I do believe that this month should include celebration of uh you know not just and not even just about about black heroes i i just think celebration of of black people i mean i I, oftentimes people want to lift up this hero or lift up that hero and 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 they ignore how many people look martin luther king had legions of people who were behind him you know and he wouldn't have had the success if he didn't have all of those people and you know what not all those people were even black but you know, I'm, I don't mm-hmm. want to take anything away from the, from. I mean, the, the lunch counter, the you know, the, the bus rides, the water fountains, all this stuff. I mean, not everybody becomes this this iconic figure. And I'm not taking anything away from MLK, not at all. But I think there has to be more of a celebration. And and I I agree, the arts, the you know, movies, theater, music, I mean, all of this stuff is something that should be part of the celebration. But I am glad that we're not gonna flower it up so much that we don't talk about the hard truths, the uncomfortable truths that are re- that really need to be a- addressed when it comes to the racist history of the United States. Well, months like this, um, and, uh, and I will include the month of November as well, too, should be the starting point of having real talk about what has happened. And so we can move forward um, for a better for a better future, but the problem is is that it always gets muddled into this whole thing about oh let's create this flowery language about okay we could do this we could do this but never go into the details which is why as you were saying earlier in the hour about critical race theory and why that that should be. And for those people who object to that whole term about critical race theory, spoiler alert, there is no curricula of any type in public schools. A narrow, a narrow level. number of courses in some, yeah. in some law colleges. And because here's what critical race theory is. It is the analysis of the role that racism has played right. in shaping legislative um, actions and laws and justice. That's what critical race theory is. And, you know, but if you were going to expand it to the idea that the role that racism plays in shaping public policy, <laughs> I come right back to the mascot issue. If, hey. you, if, if you have such white privilege that you believe that you, you can take somebody else's identity the, among the most oppressed people in the country and, and take it for your own, and then spend decades teaching children that your version of what an Indian is, is that is public policy, because that's school policy, being shaped by racism. I mean, and, and there's, I mean, so, I mean, if you were going to really take critical race theory beyond what it, what it currently is, this analysis of the role that racism plays in, in things like law and, uh, and justice, if you were going to take it all the way down to public policy, you know, then clearly this use of native, um, native race-based mascots is an example of, of critical race theory. It's a ripple effect. Yep, absolutely. It's yeah. a ripple effect. It, yeah. I mean, like, if everything, I mean, w- 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 I forgot who said this, but the, the, everything is connected. And there's the reason why things are the way they are. And if we can't get into the base to the source on why things are the way they are, you know, we're going to go into this perpetual cycle that we are, have been experiencing for Lord knows how long. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Well, and and that's why when, as the, the conversation grows in, in some of these small towns over, over racism and, and somebody asks, you know, asks me for about the 10th time, because you're going to come right out of the gate with this one. Uh, about why it's offensive. I said, we well, have to understand, at the same time that your school 
adopted this native identity, appropriated it, took it, and projected it onto your kids so they could play Indian, native children were being ripped from their homes to the tune of 85% of all native children were being ripped from their homes, sent to these church-run boarding schools where being native was a punishable offense. Their hair was, was cut. Their mm. clothes were stripped away. Anything mm. that they had, any object that was culturally related was taken from them, burned, buried. The, the policy was kill the Indian, save the man. So when you ask me, little white town America, what is offensive about you calling yourself Indians? I'll tell you what's offensive. <laughs> is that native kids couldn't. Native kids could not, were being forbidden. And they were abused. They were raped. They were murdered. They were allowed to die. They were neglected. And this went on for 100 freaking years. So you, when you really want to get into why I'm offended, I'll tell you why. But you better, you better buckle in because it's not comfortable. The United States hasn't even begun the process of acknowledging the atrocity that their residential schools were. Canada continues to try to bury theirs, right. but, but the United States hasn't even begun. And when truth be told, there's going to be tens of thousands of children that are going to be revealed as having died in these schools. Not one of these white schools with their Indian mascot has a graveyard. But you know what? The Indian schools all had graveyards. Mm. There you go. There you go. Mm. 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 Well, you know what? Again, we need to focus on these issues. We need to focus on the past in order for us to be better in the future. But the thing is, is that can people do it? Are there people that have the stomach for it? Are they capable of taking this truth and utilizing this truth to call out the people, as you have said, to make change for the better to happen? Well, and the problem is that, yes, we can talk about the past, but the real world has much of these, uh, these atrocities continuing. We still have a missing and murdered indigenous women issue. We still have yeah. you know, public policy that is stripping kids from, from homes and taking them from parents and, and leaving communities underfunded. I mean, the most poor communities in the United States are, are native territories. And they didn't get poor by accident. They were designed that way. I mean, as, as it was said, reservations aren't places for people to live. They're places for people to die. And that's the way they were constructed. Now, I'm not saying all Native territories. I, I live in a, in a very good community, and I, and I do. But, um, but it wasn't built to be this way. It's just mm. the remnants of the land that they held. Reggie, I want to thank you very much for participating with me in this show. Um, Anytime. I, I, I really appreciate uh, your input on this conversation, and, um, and I felt like it was better for it. So, so thank you for that. I appreciate it. Uh, anytime, John. All right. All right. Well, this is John Kane for Resistance Radio. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Yahweh. <laughs>